Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Episode 152 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. This is what gets him mad? Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm Chris Hahn, your host. Thank you for liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling your friends, relatives, co-workers, people you just meet on the street to listen to this podcast if you want a Gen X progressives view of the world uh i like to think of myself as a gen x progressive i'm gen x my generation is uh well we're computer savvy but we we don't shove it in your face right (laughs) like millennials and gen z's and yeah maybe we're not as computer savvy yes i still like those 1980s video games i've uh really like this company that's making these like mock-up video games i bought one uh fantastic looks like the arcade game from when I was a kid, my favorite game, Star Wars. Uh, so, yes, that's me. So let's get into the show here. Um, Kevin McCarthy has let a lot go by in Congress from his members. He has let Lauren Boebert say deliberately racist things. He has let uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene go speak at a white supremacist conference. Paul Gosar was there with her. Paul Gosar tweeted out a video where he chops uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's head off. He let that slide. There's been multiple infractions, uh, including by Madison Cawthorn, who has supported using violence to uh, to change America. Let's just leave it at that. Supporting violence in politics, which is just something you never do. And, of course, that was what Paul Gosar was doing in his tweet. But the thing that he drew the line on was earlier last week, Madison Cawthorn, the aforementioned Madison Cawthorn, who happens to be in a, I think, six or maybe eight-way primary for his reelection to the House in North Carolina, the seat that Mark Meadows once held. Last week, he talks in an interview in his hometown about his time in Congress and saying, you know, I'm young. Most people in Congress are in their 60s and 70s. I'm in my 20s. Look at me. And he says what surprised him the most is that he was invited to what was called a sexual gathering or, uh, as most people would know it, an orgy uh, by other House Republicans. And he's seen people take key bumps, which I had to look up what that was. And I've heard two different definitions of it frankly i don't really know key bumps of cocaine uh in congress people who were fighting to change the drug laws are doing key bumps well i I, 
That is where Kevin McCarthy drew the line. He was not going to have that go on. He was not going to have Madison Corthon tell the truth about the hypocrisy of the religious right in the Republican Party. He was not going to have him tell the truth about his members' partying habits. That is where Kevin McCarthy brought Madison Cawthorn into his office with the other leaders and had a come-to-Jesus meeting with him in which Madison Cawthorn said that maybe he exaggerated what he said. Now, um, let's pick that apart. By the way, Kevin McCarthy said, uh, Madison Cawthorn has lost his trust. He's lost his trust. Kevin McCarthy, a man who will never be speaker, by the way. Jim Jordan will probably be speaker or somebody like Jim Jordan. You watch. Madison Cawthorn said he exaggerated. He did not say he lied. He did not say he made it up. What was the exaggeration part? I want to know because a key bump seems like a pretty specific term about cocaine use. And I have little to no experience with drugs, right? I, I tried pot twice. That's my experience. I've seen somebody do cocaine once, and it was when I was at a Pink Floyd concert in the 80s when I was like 14. I saw somebody doing it in their car. I didn't believe it was real until then. I've never been at a party where I've seen people do cocaine. Never in my life. So I had to look up Key Bump. That seemed like a pretty specific reference. Um, were you exaggerating about that, Madison? I I don't think he was, frankly. I really don't. <laughs> so, I mean, I for that, Kevin McCarthy got on his high horse and said, no, 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 we're not going to alienate our religious conservative base uh, talking about our members having orgies. Coincidentally, um, I've heard that Roger Stone has said, yeah, you know what? He's probably telling the truth. Leave the kid alone. <laughs> now, we all know Roger Stone's history. I talked about it yesterday uh, with my partner on WABC and actually Red Apple Audio Networks, um, uh, uh, Curtis Lee, where we talked about this on our show yesterday uh, in New York. And uh, Roger Stone has a long history of being very open about his uh, sexual parties that he would have, uh, orgies, swinging lifestyle with his wife's over the years. Um, so he was very open about it. And, and, and he, he basically said, look, uh, there's a lot of truth to what the kid's saying. Maybe we shouldn't get on him. Meanwhile, the kid's in an eight-way or six-way primary in North Carolina. And Kevin McCarthy said he lost his trust. So I guess Kevin McCarthy thinks he's going to swing that primary. I don't know that that's... I don't know that that's possible. I just don't know that Kevin McCarthy is a popular figure anywhere with Republicans, Democrats, independents, or anybody. But I just found it rich that of all the things that have happened with that caucus of his over the last, you know, 18 months, forget about January, what about, we're not even talking about people who voted, uh, you know, after the insurrection voted to disqualify the legitimately elected president, right? Let's disqualify the votes. 200 or so of his members voted to disqualify, not maybe 200, but a majority of his members voted to disqualify the votes for Joe Biden for president. I think let's let's start there. Let's 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 also include people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert who were giving tours to insurrectionists the day before the insurrection. Let's let's add that to that. no no discipline no nothing. No no no, we don't want to talk about that. But this he's going to get very strict with his members about. And the only reason I could think of is that you know, his his survival depends on him lying to religious Americans, particularly evangelical Christians, who are the main part of the GOP base. You've got the evangelical Christians and you've got the QAnon folks. That's your base. 
You can't alienate either one of them. And frankly, you really can't alienate the evangelicals because without them, you're you're doomed. They are prime voters. They show up at every election. The QAnon people, you don't know when, if they're going to come or go. So he doesn't want to alienate those people. So when you get this rumor going about members of the House Republican Caucus throwing orgies with cocaine, that really gets under the skin of that base. So Kevin McCarthy needed to nip that at the bud, which is why he did it. And which is why, you know, white supremacy, well, that's part of the base. We can't condemn that because then we'll piss those guys off. And the Republicans can't win unless all of their base stays united and comes out and votes. Let's face it. There are less Republicans than there are Democrats. I don't care what the polls say right now about that. We know this to be true. And he knows it to be true. And you start shaving off one, two, three percent of your vote. Maybe that's all the white supremacists are. You lose. This is a 50-50 country. Most of the swing seats are going to be 151-49, 52-48. You lose those people from coming out, you're going to lose the election. So he has not been quick to criticize when his members have pandered to anti-Semites and white supremacists, sometimes both at the same time. But he's quick to do this because, God, those Bible thumpers are not going to come out if they think they're voting for a bunch of people who are having cocaine parties and orgies, <laughs> or maybe the same time, I don't know. It's, I don't know what he meant by this whole thing. I listened to the comments several times, and I tried to parse what he was saying. I don't know if they were doing coke in, you know, the cloakroom of the house, or it was coke at the orgy. I don't know. I have never done coke, and I've never been to an orgy, unfortunately. Uh, but <laughs> it is what it is. That's what this guy's all about. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. So, you know, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now. Uh, there's a madman on the on the loose in, in uh, Ukraine. His name is Vladimir Putin committing genocide. And I'll talk about that on the other side of this uh, interview I have with my good friend Sarah Burris. We're talking all sorts of things, including Madison Cawthorn, including the Will Smith slap, which, I mean, look, um, I talked about it last week on the podcast, so I won't go over it again. I'm a comedian. It's unacceptable. Let's leave it at that. So uh, listen to this great interview with uh, my good friend, Sarah Burris, and I'll be back to wrap it up on the other side. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. I am... Really happy to bring back to the show Sarah Burris. Uh, Sarah Burris, as you know, is one of the top editors over at Raw Story. She writes a lot. She's great to follow on Twitter. Uh, and she's a good friend of the show. Sarah, how you doing? 
Thursday. Happy Thursday. So it's been a while since we talked, and um, I have to start with you since you're a media reporter. Uh, the Oscars, <laughs> which I, you know, I, I wasn't watching, and it's funny. I caught the incident because as I flipped over from watching Walking Dead, I was watching it on DVR. I flipped over to the Oscars and it said, coming up, Chris Rock, right? They showed him backstage getting ready to go on. And I'm a huge Chris Rock fan. I've, I've, I've said that before on this show and other shows that you might have seen me on. And I said, oh, let me stick around and see Chris, you know, roast the audience because Chris is great. And man, I was glad I did. But I was also upset because then I wound up sticking around for 45 more minutes to watch Will Smith get his Oscar because I thought it would be great TV. And it did not disappoint. <laughs> so <laughs> so tell me, tell me your your view on what happened here. So it's funny, too, because I was uh, I flipped usually back and forth between CNN and MSNBC and MSNBC went off air. Um, and so I flipped over to the Oscars and started flipping back and forth between CNN and the Oscars. And so I was, you know, just happened to be on. And Chris Rock, uh, when I flipped over, was just walking out. And that whole thing happened. And I was like, I thought it was a bit. You Me, know? I, I, my first instinct was, is it a bit? I even tweeted it. Right. And then I was just like, oh, my God, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. And then it became, oh my God, I have to write this and I have to, you know, make sure I get it up as fast as possible. And, uh, and then I was just sort of shell shocked for a little bit, you know, thinking like this happened. And then I actually ended up having a, a fight with my boyfriend about it because he totally went off on Jada. And I was like, she well, didn't even hit anybody. All she did was roll her eyes. She rolled oh. her eyes. I don't know what she said. She might've said something to will cause they, he was laughing. Yeah. She rolled her eyes. And then, you know, all hell broke loose. Oh, it's the craziest thing. And, you know, what has happened sort of in wake of that is that it has been a week of nonstop Will Smith, Chris Rock stories. And I knew that Will Smith was going to have to do like a publicist tour, an apology tour, and he's going to end up everywhere. Yeah. Has he done? I haven't seen him anywhere yet. I know, right? That's what's really surprising. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, everybody keeps talking about it. Now it, there are all sort process stories about, you know, the Oscars never thought about removing him. And- well, I, today they said they, they asked him to leave and he wouldn't leave. Yeah. So it's like one story that's been proven wrong after another. And then Chris Rock had a sold out crowd in New York last night. And then it's just like, wow, this is probably the best thing you know, for uh, for Hollywood in a while. Well, I mean, definitely you know, definitely good for Chris Rock. I mean, Chris, because Chris Rock, I thought he handled it, you know, brilliantly. I mean, he, yeah, he just kept going and made a joke, uh, but the audience was just clearly like shocked. But you know, I also pointed out, I pointed out on my podcast earlier in the week because it was fresher. You know, why do they cut away from the only real moment? that has happened at the Oscars since that guy streaked across the stage in the 1970s. Like, you got a real thing going on there. And as Chris Rock said, wow, that was like the greatest thing that ever happened on TV. Only in America, you didn't see it because they they they, they had to cut the sound off because Will Smith said yeah. the F word. Right. Which, I mean, I'm fine with that because go on Twitter and you can get the Australian clip of it and right. see what... <laughs> right. Right, like yeah. why? What? Like, what is this country protecting us from? Like, what are we being protected from? There, that was news. 
happening. If Donald Trump was speaking from the podium and dropped the F-bomb, it would not have been bleeped, and it wasn't bleeped. Nope. Right? So it, Absolutely. Yeah. And what's hilarious is that in wake of it, they've had, uh, I read today, there were 66 FCC complaints uh, because people were like, oh, the violence. And I'm like, have you not watched TV for the last 20 years? <laughs> oh, the violence. Never. That's right? what... Like, there's, they don't put sex and and curse words on tv but oh you can you can beat the heck out of somebody you could gun down an entire you know row of people on tv i mean yeah. there's there's you know you're, you're worried about the violence uh, of will smith stepping up and smacking somebody in the face i mean that was uh that's a little uh peculiar that that is why people were complaining to the fcc i i, I don't get that at all but to put that in context there were 1300 fcc complaints about um jlo and shakira's halftime show cuz you know the hips don't lie oh god so, and how many were there with janet jackson's breast exposed oh i didn't even look at and up, there were so. fines issued you know like you know that's the thing like they fined the uh, whoever was broadcasting the super bowl that year because of of that wardrobe malfunction <laughs> right I remember right but they're not going to fine anybody about this like a guy walking out. First of all, I'm a I'm a comedian, and I have been heckled, and I have made jokes about people in the audience. It is completely unacceptable for somebody to step up on a stage and punch a comedian. Comedians got to be given a wide berth. I don't even like when people try to cancel comedians. They don't like their comedy. They don't like you know it's too racy. It's too uh, you know it's offensive. I don't like that either. But to walk up on stage and smack somebody. I mean, Chris Rock is a small guy. Will Smith, I, I mean, he he put on some weight. Uh, he looked like a monster next to Chris Chris Rock. Well, he apparently uh, on his Instagram he was posting stuff throughout the the pandemic and basically showed himself like gaining a ridiculous amount of weight. And so, for the last I guess six months or so, he's been working out hardcore and bulking up. And so, uh, I, the picture that he showed of you know after all of the hardcore workout is like dang yeah yeah and you know the thing is is that i was rooting for him to win it was like one of the few best actor performances i saw and i loved it i thought he was great in that role i i felt like he disappeared into that world he was not will smith in that role and and maybe he was more will smith than i thought because that was something that richard williams would have done in my opinion maybe he went full method yeah, maybe it's like a Jim Carrey, uh, you know, uh, situation with uh, what's his Andy name, Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. Yeah, so, I'm, I mean, it's a little scary. It's a little, so. How do you think the media has been covering and handling the the response to this? I am so over it. <laughs> it just seems like, and and my favorite thing today was Daniel Radcliffe um, made somebody was asking him about it. He was like, you know, I kind of feel like everybody in the world has had something to say about it for the last week. And I'm not really sure that my voice is going to lend anything uh, to it. So. I saw that. He's like, I don't want to be part of it. It was, it's been sickening me or something like that. It was like something more, more over the top than what you just said. I, I saw that, that, that little uh, tweet or clip or whatever it was he did. And, and, and yeah. And then here I am talking about it. <laughs> I know, right? Like that's the thing is everybody, who grew up? I mean, I grew up with Will Smith. Me too. So, um, I know the words to the to the theme. I do. This is the story all about how my life got turned right upside down. <laughs> <laughs> take a, take a little minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of, of a place called Bel Air. <laughs> you know, it's like I walked up to a house. You know, I mean, it's like, come on, I know, right? I love the guy. Independence Day is one of my favorite movies. 
I, I mean, Don't it's your home. Smell you later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it it's it's it was clearly a, he was clearly having a mental breakdown that night. I don't know. The thing about uh, the, you know, once my boyfriend and I stopped yelling at each other about the disparity between men and women, um, yeah. <laughs> we we had this conversation about um, Jada Pinkett Smith's Scientology, and he's like, there's something weird going on with that. And a lot of people have said that they think that he is basically being manipulated by her. And Well, they also have an open relationship, from what I understand, and that clearly isn't we- working out. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe if it's if that's not about the relationship, it just could be that he's crazy, right? He wants to hit Chris Rock, but, right? I mean, I I got well, friends who are completely normal and don't punch people on stage. Uh, I mean, you know, I've never punched anybody up on stage, especially for a light joke. Comparing my wife to one of the most beautiful women in the world, Demi Moore. <laughs> I mean, one of the best films. Yeah, great film, great actress. I, I mean, and by the way, I thought Jada Jada looked great. Uh, she did. She looked super hot. That dress was incredible. Yeah, and it, it just—I—I I don't, I, I don't get it. Sarah, let's talk about old white dudes and old white women <laughs> snorting coke and having an orgy and inviting poor innocent twenty-five-year-old Madison Cawthorn <laughs> to that orgy. I mean, I—I'm sorry. That part of it is funny to me. That this it guy's. Is. This guy's out there talking about, you know, members of the House Republican Caucus snorting coke and having orgies. But more importantly, uh, it's the only thing that Kevin McCarthy's gotten mad about all year. Right. That's the thing is there are so many things that he could have gotten mad about. But this, you know, when you start talking out of school about the coke and orgies, uh, that's just unacceptable. And, you know, he's (laughs) now he's saying, uh, you know, I've lost my trust. Yeah. In Madison Cawthorn. Yeah. How did you have any to begin with? Yeah, well, Madison Cawthorn's being primary by like three people in his district. And Six. Su- yeah, and supposedly he's primary n- opponent. He's not really doing well in the primary, I guess. I guess they, they figured him out over there. Uh, you know, but it is funny. Madison Cawthorn basically advocated for violence in our political system. Yeah. Violence, not that long ago. Said it. I think he beat up a tree. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Republicans shrugged it off, but he outed them about their Coke orgies. Now, I don't know if it was Coke and an orgy or if it was Coke orgies. I don't know what the situation is, but I have a feeling Matt Gates was involved. I'm just saying. (laughs) I think they were, uh, they were two separate incidents, which I buy like that just makes sense. Right. There are a lot of people who look like they're coked up, but maybe aren't partaking in orgies um you know you worked on the senate side and i worked more with the house side so you know my experience is that there was just debauchery running rampant on the house side yeah there was no debauchery Um, in the senate i mean these people could barely walk when i was working there i worked i worked for one of the younger senators i mean chuck schumer's still there but when i worked for him he was in his first term he was 48 years old <laughs> so younger than i am That's young yeah so yeah it was very young for a senator and uh yeah there were no i i don't recall any coke orgies at least among senators there might have been some among staff i don't know i wasn't invited i guess <laughs> so it's just but i've you know it's interesting like i've heard rumors about you know big houses in virginia where people would go and and have eyes wide shut events or something. Yeah. Um, 
I've heard of swingers parties and kink parties and that sort of thing. I actually don't know a lot of people who do cocaine, but I don't, you know. I don't know anybody who does cocaine. I mean, I thought that was like an 80s thing. I didn't think people still did it. so passe. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, mean, look, I've smoked pot. I've smoked, full full disclosure, I've smoked pot twice in my life. That is the extent of my drug use. I don't even like to take Advil. I don't even like to take Advil. Let's be clear. I'm like one of those guys. Caffeine is really my only real drug that I use regularly. Uh, But it 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 is kind of... It, it it is amazing to me, and, and and it makes you think. You know who is in, who is inviting this guy to the orgy? Like which one of these? Members, like if you had to bet, what member do you think was doing these orgies? Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but she's she's resigned. She's not in Congress anymore. Yeah, true. So it's sad, you know. She doesn't have her. Yeah, uh, I, I have a feeling Lauren Boebert is 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 part of the orgy scene because you know her husband likes to whip it out. So. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of the new members that are younger are probably the ones that are partaking. But from what I understand, um, the sex parties that I've heard about are, you know, staffers and members, and it they they divide them between the parties. Like, if you're a Democrat, you can't go to a Republican sex party or something. Right. So, um, but, you know, I've never heard about it being an orgy. Yeah. I've just heard about the swinger parties and the kink parties. Yeah. Only two that I know. I've I've never been to anything like that in my life. Maybe I'm just a little bit, maybe I'm just too cloistered. I know. I really feel like I've missed out on that point in my life. Like once you you reach your mid-30s, it's like, can I do something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess when I was in college, there was a bunch of us went camping, but it wasn't really an orgy. I mean, a lot of people hooking up in different parts of the cabin, but not really an orgy. You know, I find s'mores very sexy, but not that sexy. Yeah, the problem with with it is you really got to do it on the first day of the camping trip because the showers weren't that good. So it wasn't, yeah. you know, like it's not like the third day you're going to want to like get into an orgy situation because you're you've had basically a cold shower that lasted two minutes, and you don't want to. You don't really want to be in that situation. And yeah, when I worked in Congress, there was nothing, nothing like that at all. But I am. But but the thing that just like I said, here's where Kevin McCarthy draws the line. It's like everything else this guy said, he shrugged off, but accuse his members of using cocaine and actually having sex. Like the first like interesting thing I've heard about a Republican member of Congress in a very long time is that they have orgies. Um, You know, that's it. He draws the line. You're out. And that's how you know it's real. Yeah. What I mean, a lot of people have, have said, you know, this can't possibly be real because who in, in their right mind would want to see uh, Chuck Grassley naked, which right. I agree. Like, that's not happening on the Senate side. Could but you imagine like, showing up to an orgy no. and Chuck Grassley greets you, you know, balls out? <laughs> I mean, oh, God. You know. I just threw up a little in my mouth. Chuck Grassley, as God intended it. It's like, it's like, or is God, what's the word that is God made him? Just, I, I can't, I can't even, I can't even imagine walking into that room and seeing that. I would be shocked if I saw that guy come out of the shower at the gym, let alone if I went to a party where he's at. Follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn, Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram. I'll tweet out a picture of my tie right before I go on. So that's how you know it's me. You know how that started, Sarah? <laughs> how? I, I've been trying for four years to get verified by Instagram. 
And I'm like, I'm verified everywhere. I'm verified on Twitter, you know, whatever. They won't verify me on Instagram. And I have very few followers on Instagram. I don't do a lot on Instagram. And I'm like, let me just tweet out a picture of my shirt and tie or I'll Instagram out a picture of my shirt and tie and I'll send it to them along with my application for verification. (laughs) I'm like, hey, I'm on TV. Look, this shirt and tie is going to be on TV in two minutes. Can you please just verify me? They have not verified me. So, Yeah, I think the only way you're going to get verified is if you start selling hair products or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like there are like producers at like Fox News who, you know, are like hoochie mamas that are out there, you know, you know, in bikini shots and they're verified and I'm the guy in front of the camera and I am not verified. I, I don't understand that. I just, I just don't get it. So, so I'm back with Sarah Burris, my good friend, Sarah Burris, who, uh, I really enjoy talking to. And I hope you are reading her columns in raw story. She publishes one like every 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> so she's fantastic. Follow her on Twitter. She's at Sarah Burris on Twitter. Sarah, um, seven and a half hours are missing from Donald Trump's phone logs on the day of January 6th. What do you imagine he was doing at that time? Immediately, my first thought was seven minutes in heaven, but I know that that's not right. Right. Um. (laughs) Especially seven hours with Donald Trump could not be heavenly. Well, we know some of the things that he was doing. Michael Wolff's book talks about a lot of the, did it like a, he did a whole timeline about what was going on and who was talking to who. And so we know that Trump was talking frequently to Giuliani. He did it around 2 o'clock. He did it again around 3 o'clock. He then called um, uh, Mike Lee and Tommy Tuberville uh, on a group call with Rudy Giuliani, um, which which may be why that was not in the call log, because it could have happened with Giuliani, you know, doing right. at a call thing. Right. So, um, you know, and and... There are a lot of ways that Trump could have circumvented this. There's the you know rumor about the burner phones, but at the same time, like he could have made a call from anybody else's desk, you know, in the White House. He could have said, "Hey, get me a you know hit the nine and let me get out and make right you know right. a call." And um, and he could have done it from a private cell phone, and he could have you know there were there are lots of ways that he could do it. The thing is, is this is not supposed to happen this way. Right. There's an, there's right. an entire job. There is one single person whose job it is to create the the daily diary of the president and make sure that all of that is captured. And But that diary, it turns out, actually has to be approved by a senior White House official <laughs> before it can go to the archive. The secretary so, to the chief of staff or something like that. It's like there's, a, it, there's just an official title for it. Yeah. It's the staff secretary that has it. It's a very important job. And it's supposed to be a bipartisan or a nonpartisan job. Right. So it, but again, like if you're having these logs basically reviewed by somebody in the, in the senior white house, then they're the ones who are going to decide what's there and what's not. I guarantee you when we get these logs, and I think we will get these logs, that there are calls to foreign leaders, probably Putin, probably some other people who he was probably asking to support him should this go down. I guarantee you that is why we don't see... Because, you know, if those locks were just him calling, like, people on the Hill, uh, staffers, I don't know. I don't know what would be wrong with that other than people would ask them questions. And they're asking those people questions anyway. 
Exactly. Like, you can go through the logs, and already it shows that he was calling Steve Bannon, you know, several times throughout the day. Right, right. If you're calling Steve Bannon about January 6th, then already the cat's out of bag here. So it has to be somebody worse than Steve Bannon, worse right. than Leon. Right, right. It it's Vladimir Putin. It's, you know, whatever other world leader he needed to call. Maybe he called Xi. Maybe he called Kim Jong-un. He called some world leaders. I think that's what happened. That's my, that's my, look, maybe it's a conspiracy theory. Maybe it's a theory. But I don't think he was doing Coke with Madison Cawthorn during that time. And that's why there was no records. Uh, I don't think he was at an orgy with, you know, Lauren Boebert. um, You know, because that wouldn't take seven hours. It would take about seven seconds. So bless his heart. Right, right. Bless his heart. So I I don't, (laughs) I don't understand you know, I, I, it, it, to me, that's what's the deal is. And by the way, if you are coordinating a coup of the United States with a foreign adversary like Russia, that ain't sedition. That's treason. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And it should be. That should be a huge deal. And it was at the time. And ever since then, we've basically seen you know, the, the Republican Party be like, well, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Right. Was it really? It's like, yeah, no, it was. It was. I was there. I watched I watched it unfold on TV and was, you know, my mouth was hanging open. Yeah. I was, I was like yelling at the TV all day. And I had other meetings. You know, I had other things going on that day. And people were asking me about it. I couldn't speak. Yeah. I stood there. It uh, was a gap. It's funny. I, I went into this other meeting. It was a Zoom meeting with a bunch of people who know me very well. And I tried to not talk about it. And then they just started asking me about it. And I, yeah. it was like a slowly I turned kind of like, you know, basically it was like I was on the radio. I was just doing a rant and I went nuts. And I was like, this is freaking ridiculous. And, and, and what's killing me most right now is that half of Congress wants nothing to do with this. Uh-huh. They don't want to talk about it. They want to pretend it didn't happen. They want to allow people to continue to foment that kind of resentment in this country. They want to audition through their te- you know, through their questioning of a of a Supreme Court nominee to go on the media outlets that are giving rise to this kind of behavior. I I just it drives me it drives me batty. I'm with you. It's driving me crazy that just the fact that. I mean, I get it. There are a bunch of people uh, on the Democratic side who are basically traumatized by this. Yeah. A uh, bunch of people who are getting out of Congress because they're like, I can't deal with this. Um, and, and these Republicans that are there, I mean, you, you saw the footage of them from, you know, one of the holding rooms. They were laughing. They were yucking it up. and Yeah. Um, what they didn't realize them. is that when these idiots found them, they wouldn't distinguish them between Democrats. They're no. just like, you're a member of Congress. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Yeah, they have no idea. They might know Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Or or somebody like Matt Gates because he's on Fox News every half hour. Man, they didn't so. know who Ted Cruz was. Yeah. Right? They were reading the, you know, his notes and then they realized, "Oh, he's with us. He's with us." I know. I and that's so crazy to me that you know, these are not obviously the brightest bulbs in the tanning bed. Um and Hell, maybe it was the bear spray got to him. I, I think this but. is what this is what the right wants, right? They don't want people thinking. They don't want people knowing. They just want drones that are come out and vote for them and who are going to yeah. hate Democrats no matter what. No matter what. 
And what's sad is that there's a, you know, they, they basically could have had a legitimate, um, you know, a, a, a panel of people that included both Democrats and Republicans um, equally. And this could have been, yeah. you know, a really good congressional committee. It would have been over by now, too. Yeah. And still, it's going to be like right before the election. And, um, you know, they've already kicked out Liz Cheney and uh, Kinzinger is going to leave Congress. So, you know, this is going to this is basically people that that they they're destroying their own. They're eating their own here. How important do you think it is to American democracy that Liz Cheney survive her election this year? You know, that's a hard one, because at the same time, I believe very strongly in in the American voter and they're choosing their representatives, maybe necessarily when it comes to the Senate. But if Wyoming says, you know, I don't want her because she's not crazy enough, then that's on Wyoming. Right. And it should it should behoove the entire state of Wyoming that doesn't feel that way to get to the polls. Right. Right. I feel it's very important that she survives, frankly. I think it's like, you know, and again, I I don't like her point of view on almost everything. But I do like the fact that I could disagree with her and not have her point a gun at me. You know what I'm saying? I think saying? it's important she survives, but when it comes to the idea of looking at it through the lens of democracy, you know, like that's it's it's important that every vote be counted. I agree. They're crazy. I agree. And I agree. That's the difference between Democrats and Republicans, I think. Yeah. You know, they don't want every vote counted. I mean, it's it's amazing to me. You know, we talked about Madison Cawthorn the other, you know, in the last segment. Kevin McCarthy is out there actively campaigning against McCarthy against Liz Cheney. And up until last week, he would be actively campaigning for Madison Cawthorn, a guy yeah. who has spit on our Constitution who has advocated violence in politics, who has, you know, basically supported white supremacism. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it's very important that reasonable Republicans exist. And some of my Democratic colleagues hate it when I say that on, on TV and radio. I think it's very important that we have two parties in this country that can disagree, but not shoot at each other. I agree. So. Uh, but I think that, I mean, when you talk about McCarthy, I think this is all about how desperate he is to be speaker. Yeah. You know, he needs that vote. He needs that white supremacist, racist, um, homophobic, transphobic vote, because otherwise he's not going to be speaker. Well, that's I, the, that's I got, the freedom card. And I will say this again. I've said it a million times. He's not going to be speaker no matter what happens. I want to talk to you about this globe trotting trip you're taking by yourself. You're going to at least three continents, from what I understand. Uh, you're going to well, take. You're going to work remotely. You're going to be one of those digital nomads, as they call them. Yep. So I'm looking. I, you know, I, I'm jealous, and of course, I'm worried. You know, as as like your older brother figure, I am. I am worried about you taking this trip. But uh, so let tell my tell my uh, my my viewer my listeners what you're doing. Well, I wish I could go to all seven continents. Uh, I started actually looking into how to get to Antarctica, and it's harder than you would think. Um, plus, I get seasick, and there's a boat involved, and that just seems like that's, a really bad idea. That's why I'm not buying um, a Tesla. I get seasick in Teslas. <laughs> right? It's For weird. Real. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I just decided, um, you know, my grandfather passed a couple years ago, and I was taking care of him for a really long time, and 
haven't really been anywhere. Um, my parents will sometimes take me to the beach on some island somewhere and we'll go scuba diving. But for the most part, I have missed out on Europe and Southeast Asia and um, New Zealand and all of these amazing places that I've always wanted to go. So um, I basically have, you know, I'm going to give up my apartment that I love. Wow. You can't just sublet it for a year? God, I wish. Huh. Oh, man, I wish. But, you know, like I'm going to do, um, I'm probably going to end up doing more than a year. It sort of depends. Like I'm going to do um, the first three countries are uh, Scotland, then Crete, and then the Azores, um, which is a set of islands off the coast of West Africa. Yep. They're Portuguese islands. Um, and then I was going to come back to Washington, see friends, and then go home for the holidays. And then January, I was thinking about Central and South America. Awesome. And um, the the thing I really want to do is I want to do Machu Picchu. But I started, I didn't really know exactly how many feet above sea level was a mile. So I was just sort of comparing it to Denver, like, you know, Mile High City. Right. And then I found out that that was only 5,000 feet. And Machu Picchu is at like 12,000. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, my God. Very thin air. So, but you know what? As a scuba diver, wouldn't that wouldn't you be prepared somewhat for that? I don't know. I mean, I feel like I should have those those cans of air thing. Um, or yeah, I don't think it's of- that. I don't look. I, I I think as long. I think it's not as bad as like going to the top of Mount Everest. But yeah, I mean, you got to just take it slow, take it easy. I just remember I was hiking in the Rockies, and I was. It was funny because I would, you know, it's like you're you're. Um, eyes being bigger than your stomach, it's sort of where my eyes were like, I could do this. And then you run up a, a flight of stairs to enter the hiking trail and you're like, <gasps> I can't breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like once, and it was funny too, because we got to as close to the top of a mountain as I have ever gone. And I'm looking at the distance between me and the very, very top. And I'm like, definitely I'm going to the top of that, of course. And I get halfway there and I'm like, I'm going to die. And that was 11,000 square feet. Or 11, wow. Well, you're going to have to start training for that, I guess. You know, right? To, you and gotta, how do you do that when you live in Washington at sea level? I don't know, but there's got to be a way to do it, right? There's got to be a way to train for that. Or maybe you, you spend the weekends up, you know, in, in, in the mountains near Washington. You go to West Virginia, you know, and just go, go hiking up there, the Blue Ridge Mountains, and just, you know, get going. Uh, you know, maybe spend, you know, a day or two, you know, at like 10,000 or about like 8,000 feet. Just ease into it and see how that feels. I think you could do that over there. What you know, before I, I run out of time in this very short segment, what is the one thing you must do there on this on this trek? Um, I really, really want to see the Great Barrier Reef before everybody kills it off. Well, there you go. Well, you got to get to Australia then. That's not even on your list yet. <laughs> you got to do that. The Great Barrier Reef would be something I'd love to see too. Australia. Uh, you know, is someplace I've always wanted to go, but it's not so high on my list that I'm going to not go to Europe for it. That's the problem where I am right now with that. So Sarah, it's always great talking to you. Where can people find you? What do you want them to know? Well, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Sarah Burris, just my name. And uh, you can follow me. My page on Facebook is Sarah K. Burris. And uh, I try and post, you know, memes and be funny on both of them. So, And, And you are. And we love you for it. And <laughs> I'm sure I'll talk to you before you go on your road trip or your air trip or your boat trip or whatever trip you're going to go on. But thanks as always. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that's Sarah Burris. Love Sarah. She's great. She's been on the show a lot. Follow her on Twitter. You won't regret it. And definitely read Raw Story. They've got an interesting take on the news and other things going on. Uh, I love Raw Story. I read it all the time. So before I close tonight, I just want to point out one thing. Donald Trump is still asking Vladimir Putin for help in the midst of what only is... I mean, I can't call anything else but genocide. It looks like Russian troops are indiscriminately firing among civilians. At least that is the way it seems when the Ukrainians liberate these cities and see all these dead civilians in these mass graves. It's disgusting. Vladimir Putin's at 1% in approval in the United States of America. 1%. And most of that 1% are Trump and his immediate family and friends. Let's face it. The man last week in the middle of this, is asking Vladimir Putin for help to discredit the Bidens with some trumped-up fake story that I, I think only comes out of a fever dream he had after eating too much Kentucky Fried Chicken on a hot day. Um, that guy has no business being within a 1,000 miles of the freaking White House and we've got to do everything we can to make sure that never happens again. That doesn't mean that I want to see any other Republican do it. But it is interesting to see, you know, people like Governor Sununu of New Hampshire and others going to the gridiron dinner and kind of lambasting Trump this weekend. I think that's a good sign that the Republican Party is starting to see him for what he is, at least the mainstream Republican Party. The problem is, is that the base of the Republican Party still loves him. They still love him. Don't, don't think they don't they do and if he says jump they say how high and that is a dangerous place to be right now he is still has a fever grip now we'll see there are a lot of primaries across this country and primary season starting and we'll see how trump backed opponents do really interested to see if liz cheney holds on if she holds on i think that's great for america so all right i want to remind you now as i always do to seek the truth question everyone and everything even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.